Welcome to Choosing Leadership, a podcast for high performers with big dreams and for leaders who know that they are more powerful than the level that they are currently playing. I am Sumit Gupta, your host and the founder CEO of the Deploy Yourself School of Leadership. I am here to help the best leaders get better and to help organizations massively improve their output and impact and at the same time eradicating workplace stress. Yes, completely eradicating, not just reducing, completely eradicating. I believe in creating a future and a work culture where people wait for Mondays, not Fridays and get to do their most meaningful work. The aim of this podcast is not to provide you more content, but instead shift the context under which you operate. This podcast is titled Choosing Leadership because that is what leadership is, a choice. In each episode, I will celebrate leaders who have made such choices, which are not always easy and comfortable, but which has helped them get to where they are today. And let us celebrate the leader in us for choosing to move over our fears, for choosing to be motivated by something bigger than ourselves, and for choosing to deal with every challenge that comes on the way. Let us celebrate you right now for stepping into the unknown and taking courageous action, as those were the moments when you chose leadership. At the end, I will share how you can be our next guest on this podcast. And with that, let's get started. Smithy is the co-founder and CEO at Advantage Club, and she believes that real business associations are a combination of business synergy plus friendships. In the interview, Smithy shares her journey as a woman leader and the kind of unique challenges it presents. She talks about how she was raised as second to none and how that led to confidence and growth as a leader. She is on a mission to create happier workplaces. She gives practical nuggets of wisdom from her own life and simple advice for leaders when it comes to dealing with the challenges that come with leading by example. Hi, Smithy, and welcome to the Choosing Leadership Podcast. Hi, Sumit. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm really excited to be here today. Same here. I'm wonderfully excited as well. And to begin with, right, can you share a little bit of who you are and what do you do today? So I am the founder of Advantage Club, which is primarily in the HR tech space. We are an end-to-end employee experience platform where we enable companies to digitize all their employee engagement initiatives like rewards, recognition, flexible benefits, communities, all of that in a single platform. Uh, We started Advantage Club back in 2016. We started off in a different avatar where we were doing employee perks and discounts for uh, SMEs. Uh, And then somewhere around in 2019 to 2020, we pivoted to an end-to-end HR employee experience platform. So yeah, I've been running this company since a while now. We're present in more than 100 countries globally. We have more than 10,000 brand partners and more than uh, 1,000 corporates we serve today. So it's been a great journey overall and we're still growing. So that's where we are. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that, right? And before I jump into that, can you share a little bit of your own background? I saw that you started in technology. So can you share more about the background and what led you to where you are today? Yeah. So I've done my master's in computer science from UCLA. Um, and then I joined Microsoft in their Redmond office in the US. So I worked there for a few years before I started Advantage Club. And while initially my profile was 
more techy i eventually switched uh, on the business side so i switched to overall the b2b account handling team at microsoft and i got a good chance to overall work with a couple of their clients interact with them which really gave me an idea on how b2b client management used to work so i've had experience in both and of course we started vantage club i completely moved from a techy profile to a business profile so it's been an interesting shift for me while i understand technology very well i don't code anymore so it's been uh, very exciting for me to experience both sides of the spectrum and of course dealing with customers day in and day out i think that's thing i get the kick most out of overall Thank you. Thank you for sharing that, right? And can you share a little bit more? Because when the outside world sees a software programmer or a techie, normally people associate them with uh, like introverts, people who are not very good at talking. And then the business side, the people side, what you really love uh, is very different, right? As yeah. you said. So can you share, was it, were you a natural? Was it easy or were there some difficult moments along that journey? So of course, I mean, I was a good developer and I was a good coder. Otherwise, Microsoft would not have hired me. And I think... Um, I personally believe that it's to each their own, right? For a lot of people, they start off as technology. And in India, there's a lot of craze around the fact that my child needs to be an engineer. You need to be in computer science. You need to follow that stereotype. And uh, a lot of people then during the way realize that probably this is not something they set out for. And I think as a person, your uh, priorities and your ambitions in life keep changing over time. As you grow, as you experience more of the world, you realize that, okay, this is the right fit for me. Uh, so, I mean, I it's, I do love technology. It's not like I cannot code for the life of me. But I realized that maybe business is something which I'm more interested in. That is something where I found my guy, if you would call it. And I felt that even during my college days, even ever since even my undergrad, I was always... Uh, organizing all these events. I was always bringing sponsorships for the college and I was always, uh, be, I was heading Computer Society of India, but I was the publicity head there. So those were like hints I should have taken at that point in time that this is something which I really want to do and this is what will work for me. But I, I think it just played out great because when I got an opportunity to deal with customers, I just jumped on it. I didn't think of what I have done in the past. Okay, I've studied so much and I've built my entire education on the fact that I want to eventually do this and now I'm completely switching. So I just feel that it's a it's something if you feel it's the right fit for you, you should switch at some point in time. Um, and as long as you love what you do, I think irrespective of whatever you're doing, you will excel eventually, right? Yeah, yeah. And I can, I can also sense uh, like a very strong sense of independence or confidence, whatever you call it, or leadership, like right from as you give the example of, of your college days or even earlier you uh, you mentioned stereotypes, right? So not just as a techie, but also as a woman, there are many stereotypes around that. And because of which many people don't even attempt, or many women don't even attempt like to get a promotion or to get into a leadership role. Can you share what contributes to that? I think a sense of uh, self-worth that I can do something or I can be better than this. Can you share a bit more about that? Yeah, I mean, uh, you made a very fair point on the self-worth piece. And I think that's one of the major things which women, not just leaders or otherwise, they, they lack today. And that lack of self-worth comes from the lack of support, which comes to them naturally from their peers, from their folks, from the society in general, that there is a general stereotyping, especially in a lot of families and a lot of societies around the fact that uh, men are better than women and X, Y, Z things. 
and believe women are better than men in XYZ things, right? So that stereotyping definitely affects the way you think and of course, eventually has a major impact on your growth. Uh, but I personally feel that, especially if you're going in leadership roles, one, because of this entire stereotyping around men being better leaders, then women have to actually work twice as harder to prove themselves as a suitable leader as compared to men, which, I mean, let's face it, it's, it they're naturally accepted as leaders as compared uh-huh. to a woman who has to prove herself to then be accepted as a leader. So that is one challenge which... I feel as women, we face when we move up in the ladder. Second, I think, comes from the ideology um, around the seriousness of women in terms of career development. So because of the societal pressure, a lot of times women are forced to leave their careers. They are forced to take a break from work for multiple years. And the maybe for anything, you're getting married or you're having a child or whatever it is. Uh, and then that becomes the acceptable norm of society that, okay, if you are giving birth to a child, then you're a bad mother. If you're not taking like three, four years break from work, your child will not grow. That expectation is usually put on women, which is not put on men, because of which eventually the question around as a woman leader, are you really serious about your profession or not starts creeping in. And that's where for a lot of women, the growth stops in terms of leadership. Uh, They do really well in their early careers, but as they grow in age, then that question around, okay, you are aging, you need to have children, you need to settle down, you need to take care of them. And hence your career takes a backseat. While in reality, I think both are very easily manageable. I I mean, we're a Y Combinator company. I'm in touch with more than 400 women in the Y Combinator community who are great entrepreneurs, who have sold companies, become billionaires, and they have children, they manage And their kids have grown out fine, right? There's nothing wrong with their children as such. So it's easy to manage them. But I feel that uh, the overall support in terms of helping these women grow is missing in a lot of societies. Because of which women do very well in their earlier careers. But when it comes to grow, when it comes to become a leader, their career eventually takes a backseat. Yeah, yeah. And can you share a bit more about uh, like some of those support structures which you have or how do you deal with these uh, like uh, perceptions when you come across them uh, often subconsciously when people ask a question which you would never ask a man uh, but some sometimes you have you are suddenly confronted by some of those biases how do you deal with that what does that support structure look like for you yeah so uh, i've been lucky enough to have a great family support structure not just from my parents, but also like from my in-laws and both the sides of the family, right? So, and that's, that also I think comes eventually from your own self-confidence. If you're very clear about what you want to do in life and how you want to actually move forward in terms of your career, you are capable of building that support structure across yourself on your own. A lot of times uh, people are afraid to speak out what they want and inevitably they end up getting pressurized around the fact that okay, this is how the world works because you haven't spoken out and maybe stood up for yourself. Of course, there are still scenarios in which you are still fighting against the world. But I feel that in most of the cases, if you just speak out and you mention what you really want, I think 50% of the work is done at that point in time itself. Um, For me, my parents have had two daughters. I've not had any brothers as such. And my mom was like, is still like a big time feminist, right? So she was always 
as a child she had that ideology that i'm not going to make my girls feel any lesser than the boys so mm-hmm. we've been grown like that we've not been grown as overprotected girls who are uh, shy to go out in the society and we've always been encouraged to go and challenge stereotypes and move forward and i think parents play a very major role there especially before the time you're actually married when a woman gets married then the support system moves to the other side of the family where you need enough support from that new family you have adopted to to actually uh, support you in building your career so that had luckily worked out well for me as well and that has been a good support system for me but i also to answer the second part of your question where there are these unconscious biases which always creep in right like for example when we started the venture so many years ago i think back in 2016 women entrepreneurship or even entrepreneurship for that matter in india was not something which was a very common thing uh, back then we only had like a handful of startups who had grown and risen we had flipkart we had Brofers and all just starting up, literally Brofers, which is now Blinkit, they were our neighbors in the same co-working space. They, of course, blew up eventually and became really big. Uh, but that time, the startup ecosystem was just starting off. And it was very weird for people to see women being entrepreneurs, right? So a lot of times when you go to these client meetings, uh, people would inevitably start saying questions or things like, it's really inspiring to see a woman build a business or a woman be a leader and you'd never say those things to a man right you never go and tell a male entrepreneur that it's really nice to see a man build a business right so those were normal things back then but i think the whole revolution came in i think over the past few years when uh, you know we started seeing more women in leadership more women starting businesses and more women supporting other women and those questions have stopped coming over time uh but i truly feel that if at any point you see that you are getting some sort of unconscious bias or even a specified bias which is intentional in nature the first solution is to just call that out in a maybe very polite manner that do you think it is a skill set problem or do you think it's a gender bias problem and 99% of the times people will not acknowledge that it's a gender bias problem so you got to nip it in the bud because the moment you kind of put it to rest right then and there the rest of the problems don't aggravate but at the same time um, unfortunately as women if you try to put your point forward too strongly you come off as aggressive whereas if a man does that they come off as assertive so you have to very softly and very smartly put it in place which um, which which i think eventually works out Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And I think I want to express gratitude for what you're doing, but then also for your parents and for your support structure to provide you that space for doing surgery. Because one thing which caught my attention was that you answered, this is very simple. And yes, many times, like what I talk about or what people talk about leadership, what the challenges of leadership can actually boil down to some very simple things, right? If you speak out what you want, I mean, that is 50%, as you said, right? Maybe even more of the solution. But at the same time, if you get stuck in it, then it can also become very complicated or complex. Uh, So thank you for sharing that. And then I think I also loved how you shared, like to be polite while addressing that. And because if you get angry or if you get given by, driven by a certain emotion, then that can actually make a simple situation worse or more complex than it needs to be, right? So, and again, nothing to say that women cannot be angry or be assertive, and there is a place for that. But unless you need that, why do you like make things like worse? And uh, and I think that's a good skill 
to have to adapt to the situation rather than saying one size fits all. So and thank you. Common thing, uh, sorry, just add. It's a very common thing, not just for women, even men, right? If you are in a difficult negotiation spot with a person you feel could be difficult, the first step should be to try to get it solved amicably. And yeah. it doesn't matter whether you're a woman or a man, that is the right way to solve any uh, conflict. And of course, the anger piece should be kept as the last resort. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's a wonderful skill to have to express what you want, asking for what you want, but then also doing in a way that the other person can also receive it. Yeah. Yeah. So now coming back to Advantage Club and what you're trying to do here, can you share a bit of, uh, of the vision that you have for the future and then some challenges that you see, let's say, in the next one year or so? Yeah. So uh, from a broad vision perspective, I think Advantage Club's vision is to create happier workplaces. So if you look at most of the organizations around the world, especially post-COVID, the employee stress is at a super high, employee attrition is at super high. Um, the cost of replacing an employee is six times of actually the salary cost of an employee's monthly salary. So if you are replacing an employee who has left the organization, you're paying six times their monthly salary till the time the employee leaves, the new employee gets joins in, they start off and they get at the same pace as the previous employee who's left. So employee retention has become a very big problem, not just in one country, but globally today. And uh, the remote work has not helped either. While, of course, it has given flexibility to employees to be able to work at their own pace. At the same time, it has also created a challenge around employees not feeling like they belong in that organization anymore. So it's really easy to jump in and out of jobs today. Um, for example, if I go to an office and I'm there for the whole day, I meet 20 people, 25 people, there's a community I belong to. And I start feeling that, okay, this is my thing. This is where I want to stay. But if you are just stuck in the four walls of your house, you have kids screaming in the background and then you have your manager screaming and you're in the foreground, eventually you start feeling that, okay, this is not something I want to, let's find something else. So uh, it is important now more than ever to create the right engagement programs for employees so that they feel that they're part of an experience and they're really uh, associated mentally with that company as compared to just doing a nine to five job because companies are losing a lot of money doing that. Plus employee stress is also increasing in the background. So that's the vision of Advantage Club to create happier workplaces, to create digitized programs through which in a hybrid work setup, you can actually bring employees closer together to the organization, make them more productive, uh, reduce attrition, increase retention overall, what we are trying to do. And from a business perspective, we've been doing well. We've been growing on a rate of 15 to 20% month over month. We, we are today, I think, processing overall employee reward budgets in the amount of $70, $80 million annually. Um, we are uh, managing more than 3 million users globally and present all across the world, including countries like Philippines, Singapore, US, UAE. We're running with uh, Europe and others as well. So that's where we are. And we envision that in the next four or five years, we'll get to like that 100 million revenue mark or what most call it as a unicorn. Still, mm. we're doing it from a business perspective today. Yeah, yeah. And going forward, what challenges, what are some of those biggest challenges that you see? 
So I think um, the biggest challenge from an advantage club's perspective, which we see today, is the that there's so much to cover and there is so little time to cover so much. So if you look at the entire uh, uh, space of employee engagement, it's more or less a white space today. While there are a lot of smaller players who are trying to get into this, um, the challenge, which is that when you're building a global product, you have to make a few changes, a few nuances, geography via geography, right? So what works in US might not work in Southeast Asia, Might what works in Southeast Asia might not work in the Middle East, and what works in the Middle East might not work in Europe. So understanding those nuances from a geography perspective and then Creating the product roadmap accordingly is one challenge. Second is how do you actually capture and dominate the market in a short period of time? Because it's a white space right now, and uh, the this how no matter how fast you move, it's not enough. So those are like the two major challenges I see, which we are trying to capture. And more than challenges, these are actually opportunities for us. So uh, that's something which we are driving towards right now. Thank you. Yeah. And I'm quite curious, how does that reflect for your internal team, right? Because you're talking about happiness, you're talking about employee engagement. Now that means that you have to be like leading by example. You cannot uh, like leave the ball or like throw the ball here and give it a chance. How, what challenges does that present for you or maybe even the leaders or the founders of the organization as a whole? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Timoth, if you're saying that you're an employee engagement organization, you need to first and foremost demonstrate that your own employees are engaged and then go and give lectures to others as to how you can engage their employees, right? So one of the things which we decided back when we started Advantage Club is that irrespective of whatever programs we deploy in the entire world, the first cut of those programs will actually be given to our own employees. If we have a perks program, our employees get the best perks. They, and that's there from day one itself. If we have, like recently we launched our wellness initiative uh, in which you can actually drive employee engagement programs by running sepathons, walkathons, and you can enable employees to lead a healthier lifestyle at the same time you get challenges and rewards. So the first cut of that actually has gone to our own employees and we've given a lot of rewards to them as well. We run our own recognition policies. We keep uh, incentivizing our own employees for following our cultural values as well. And it just becomes even better when I have to demo something to a client and I show them my own portal and I tell them, see, this is what we're doing for our employees. In fact, ironically, day before yesterday, I was in call with the client and I was showing them our own internal portal, which we have created. And his first response was that Advantage Club uh, employees have a lot of fun, it seems like. I said, yeah, we mm -hmm. work hard, we party harder, but we always ensure that our employees are getting the best of the best engagement solutions, uh, especially whatever we're deploying for our customers uh, themselves. Secondly, in terms of core behavioral values, we're very strong on transparency we um you know transparent as an organization we believe that if you talk to anybody in advanced club like almost everybody knows what everybody else is doing so it's very crystal clear in terms of your abilities your overall key objectives and the kind of impact you are able to build in the company and uh, i think thirdly what really motivates people out here is that they are able to create an impact in the world they're not just doing something which 
people don't know what goes on in the background and whatever they do, they can see a real impact when they're able to see that, okay, the products we've deployed have been able to really impact the attrition of different organizations, have been able to increase different sorts of diversity initiatives, whatever you're doing, if that's making an impact in the world, I think that motivates you further to keep working mm-hmm. on it. Keeps yeah. sharing such case studies with employees as well, that this is what we built and this is what the impact was. And uh, it makes them feel that okay, they've built something great. They've sold something great and they're maintaining something great. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I think uh, because I work with a lot of entrepreneurs as well. And I think what you're trying to do with your product is sometimes I try to convince people or show them that this is possible because even happiness or fun as the two words that you used, a lot of people say, what does this have to do with business or productivity, right? So that itself is a is maybe a bias or a mindset shift which needs to happen. But then the second thing, like leading by example, doing for your employees first, and then also connecting it back to the impact, right? If I think one of the things that I have learned is that people do not uh, like work not only for salary or only uh, like for being in at work these days, they want to make a difference. They want to contribute. And if you can show that, then makes the engagement that makes the motivation inspirational part of leadership so much easier uh, rather than simply focusing on like, how do I change my people? How do I motivate my people? If you can show the value of their work to them, I think that takes care of a lot of things. Thank you for sharing that, right? Uh, so let me ask you this, right? So when you're not doing any of this, what do you do? How do you spend your time when you're not like busy at work? Uh, to be honest, I mean, if I look at the past four or five months trajectory, there's barely been any time when I'm at time for myself. But yeah, I mean, me and my co-founders, we truly, um, uh, well, we're a married couple, right? So we run the company together. But I think it just works out best for us that way because both of us get busy together and both of us actually get free together. So if there's a crazy launch happening in the company, neither he's going to get time nor am I going to get time. And when there's a lull time, then both of us are free at the same time. So we try to find those uh, time spots where we can actually spend some time for ourselves. Like I love traveling. So whenever I get time, um, I'll do like a weekend trip to Goa, for example, and I'll Mm. just go on a Friday night and come back on a Sunday night. So for a lot of people, it's more like this is not something, a beach trip is not something you do for a one-nighter or a two-nighter, but that's the time you get. And then that's the time you invest in yourself because you know that come Monday, you have to be back on track and you have to, you have important stuff to cover. So, I mean, I'm a big travel buff i love traveling uh, which is non-work related travel mm-hmm. work i keep traveling but i don't count that in my fun um and other than that like i i love playing the musical keyboard so i have one at home so whenever i get time i try to spend time on that i love reading books so typically i have a bunch of especially fiction like a bunch of fiction which i keep reading and uh, that's how i spend my time outside work Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And I think traveling uh, like opens up your perspectives and especially the kind of product or the kind of business that you are in dealing with multiple countries and what you were talking about, peculiarities of different cultures. Yeah. Uh, and I think traveling or maybe even music, uh, like any kind of creative act allows you to open up your or widen up your perspective uh, and then be more accommodating, not just of like different kinds of people, but also different kinds of practices and actually make you more humble, grounded as a leader. Yeah, and these are more activities which really de-stress you in the real way. Like if you go and like, I love watching movies, but I don't consider that as a de-stressing activity. It's more like, okay, you have three hours to kill. So you're back to where you were. 
but something like traveling or music or uh, even books, they transport you in a different world altogether. And then once you're back to reality, mm. you are much more fresh than what you were earlier. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful. So coming to books, right? If you were to write a book, what would that be about? Oh, so it's a funny thing. Like um, I keep writing mini memoirs and I've been actually journaling since 2004 or something. So I journal a lot and it's been many years. I've been maintaining short, short excerpts of different things. So I can actually go back to a specific day in 2004 and I can figure out what I was doing back then. So I, I keep writing small excerpts and I, I think one of the latest things I've been working on recently is, I wouldn't call it a memoir, but it's kind of a memoir where I've been documenting how the journey of building has been. So uh, it's not from a, from a publish anything as such. It's just for my own sake. Uh, and I like to kind of go back sometimes in time and see what I had written on that particular day, how I felt on that day. And it helps me get a better grasp on myself as a person. And it helps me grow in future as well. And also motivates me that remember that day I was thinking everything is falling down, but then it worked out. So it also kind of motivates you to feel like okay, everything will work out in the end. So that's what I've been working on off late. I've been just writing the journey of how this company has started and how we've moved till now. And let's see how this goes in the future as well. Yeah, and like in my work with a lot of CEOs and leaders, what I often uh, like try to communicate is that self-reflection or any kind of self-awareness is a very powerful leadership tool, right? And journaling is one of the ways to actually get more aware. Uh, yeah. So, right. So now that you mentioned that, uh, I'm so glad. Can you share a little bit more on the tacticals of it, right? So when you are when you are journaling, how does it impact you in the short term, and how does it impact you in the long term? No, that's a very valid question, and I think. In the short term, journaling is more, I think, from a stress management perspective, right? Um, and you'll notice that if you journal, if, you're, if you've had a super amazing day and you're super happy, you may or may not want to journal. But if you're really, really depressed or you're really, really upset on something, you will definitely journal that day. Because so in a short term, it really helps you in stress management. It puts your thoughts on paper or on a notepad or whatever you want, you're writing it on, it kind of echoes your thoughts. At the same time, sometimes while you're writing your thoughts down, you get solutions to those problems automatically because you've been writing those down and while writing, you start thinking that, okay, maybe this is the right solution. Maybe you can try this tomorrow, day after, and then see if that pans out or not. So from a short-term perspective, it's really good for stress management. It's almost like meditating. <laughs> in the long term, I think it helps you become a better person. And um, like you said, self-reflection, it helps you understand yourself better. Because as a human, I'm a little philosophical in these things. I really, uh, I'm very fascinated with the human psyche. And I've seen that as a human, what you were a year ago is not the same as what you are today. So you keep evolving as a single person in terms of your mentality, in terms of your thought process. You might be very pro something six months ago and today you might be completely against it. Tomorrow you might just completely change your thought process around it as well. So it helps you identify what made you think in a certain way back then and how it has impacted you and changed you as a person today. And it also makes you realize that the only constant in life is change. So it makes you more accepting challenges. It makes you more accepting of change. And it makes you feel that, okay, uh, 
things will eventually work out in the end. So it just helps from a long-term perspective that. Thank you. Thank you. I think you summed it up so nicely. I'm going to like take a short clipping and then everybody asks me, anybody who asks me about uh, like journaling, why journaling, I will share that this uh, last two or three minutes of clipping with you. But I think it's a much needed skill. It's much a useful skill, as you said, and many times uh, simply putting your thoughts on paper can help you clarify and then find the solutions. But like the, the inner growth, the personal growth, you cannot even like uh, talk about how valuable that is both short term and long term. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that, right? Uh, so before we end, what advice would you give to a leader and especially a woman leader who are struggling or who are like finding it difficult to deal with, first of all, their own thinking, because that can also get complicated in the society, in the culture that we live in, uh, but then also deal with the outside world, right? Which could, especially for leaders, it's so easy to get caught up like, uh, like in something in the media or something which which becomes public, which you would rather have it private, right? So what would you advise somebody to deal with the complexities of being a leader and especially a woman leader? I think uh, the one advice which I would give, which has worked well for me, is the ideology of embracing challenges. And challenges could be in any form or any manner, right? A lot of times when we're faced with a problem, the first reaction which we get is, why me? Why did this happen no. with me? Um, but the, I, the acceptance of the ideology that challenges are there with everyone, whether you are um, a leader, whether you're a male leader, a woman leader, whether you are a mother or a grandmother or a housewife or a child, even when you're born, you're a year old, even then you are facing challenges every day. So... The moment we accept the fact that challenges are a part of life and it will keep happening, uh, half of your anxiety goes away around that. And the when you accept it, when you embrace the challenge, it also makes you acknowledge the fact that I have two options here. Either I fight or I run away from it, right? So if you decide the flight mode, challenges will still keep coming in your life. Maybe not in this manner, in some other manner. This challenge might just blow up in your face in another manner tomorrow. But if you fight, you will come off stronger, you will come off as a better person, and you will grow as a person so that tomorrow, if the same level of challenge comes in front of you, you know how to solve it. Or maybe you can help 20 other people solve it. And then you're ready for the next level of challenge. So your level of challenges keep increasing over time, but challenges are always going to be there. So my only advice will be that whenever you're faced with any challenge, irrespective of no matter how big or how small, the first step is to acknowledge it and be comfortable with the idea of being uncomfortable. Fight it out. And then also in parallel, try to identify what you can do to solve that problem. Because you can never run away from problems. They will always keep coming to you, irrespective of what whatever gender you are, whatever stage you are, whatever age you are, you will always have challenges in your life. So that's my only advice to leaders to not get perturbed by these things. Absolutely. I think that's wonderful on like two levels. One is uh, that like what you said, be welcoming or be open to that because that's just part of life. And the second is I think the mindset shift of saying that why is this happening to me versus saying how is it happening for my growth? So not to see challenge as something to avoid, but to see the wisdom or to see the learning that is waiting yeah. for me to learn, grow and become better because of the challenge, right? So it's a, it's a very, so earlier you would be like, and and the acceptance or acknowledgement that you mentioned, right? You have to acknowledge it. That's the key shift, right? Because otherwise you are resisting or you're fighting it, but then you are almost in gratitude that there is a challenge, uh, but this will leave me better at the end. 
Yeah. So thank you for sharing that. And I'm sure we can continue to talk about this forever, but we have to end. So before we end, if somebody is listening who wants to reach out to you either personally or to find out more about everything that you're doing, what is the best way for them to do so? So I'm uh, fairly active and receptive on LinkedIn. So anyone can connect with me on LinkedIn. And I mean, a lot of people have reached out to me in the past as well. And I'm happy to answer any questions or mentor anybody. I'm also part of a bunch of colleges where uh, I usually go and I talk to students and I talk to them in terms of motivational talks or whatever. So I'm always happy to connect with anyone over LinkedIn. My email is also there on my LinkedIn. So if somebody connects with me and they want to email me, I'm also happy to answer there. But uh, I'm more receptive on LinkedIn than I am on email. So I'd recommend that LinkedIn is the best way. Thank you. Thank you, Smithy, for sharing everything that you shared today, but also living a life of example. I think that speaks more than anything which we can communicate in words. So thank you for being who you are and doing what you do. And I wish you all the best for everything that lies ahead for you as you move towards that uh, like a journey of being a unicorn, as you mentioned. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. That's it for this episode of Choosing Leadership with Sumit Gupta. I choose leadership every time I record this podcast and I invite you to do the same. I invite you to design a life of joy, meaning, pride and satisfaction, not just for yourself, but for everybody around you. If you got something out of this episode, would you share this episode on social media? And if you know somebody who would be a great guest, can you tag them on social media to let them know about the show? And if you are a leader who wants to acknowledge how far you have come and have big dreams for the future, please reach out to me to be a guest on this podcast. And I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. This is what I do most naturally, to lovingly and gently provoke you to help you see your own light, to help you see what you are already capable of. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and it means a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, go to deployyourself.com and subscribe to my newsletter or follow me on LinkedIn. I want to thank everyone who contributed to making this show a reality and I want to thank you for listening. Always remember that you are enough, you are loved and you matter. This is Sumit. Until next time, keep choosing leadership.